0: The scripture today is from Romans 8, 14 through 17. All who are led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear, but you received a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. With this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. But if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and, follow, and fellow heirs with Christ, if we really suffer with him so that we can also be glorified with him. The word of God for the people of God. I'd like to say I have learned something by selecting this title. Some of you will say, there's a typo. Others will say, is he really young enough to use a hashtag? I'd like to say that um, somebody's already asked me, was that a typo? And I realized I am too old to use a hashtag. All right. Um, and if you don't know what a hashtag is, I had to ask you know, the tween in my house. So feel free to borrow my tween to uh, learn yourself. Um, all right, wow. Um, I will stick to um, different titles. Uh, So, so our scripture passage today, here on Pentecost Sunday, in the midst of confirmation, with a baptism already happened, seems a good place to talk about inheritance. Now, I was shocked to realize, uh, after sitting with a friend of mine, a little bit older, has uh, quite um, a, a lot of net worth, um, was sitting with his college-age kid, um, the college-age kid was trying to prove to dad that, you know, I'll be a great businessman, just leave it all to me, and I'll make your legacy worth a lot. These conversations don't happen at our house, because, um, you know, whereas missionaries might be broke, pastors are just poor. Um, <laughs> I was surprised to find that the three most affluent men, persons, uh, in the United States, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and Warren Buffett, do you know how much they're leaving to their children? Zero. Zero. It's amazing, right? Uh, Of course, Bill and Melinda have gifted much of their fortune to the Gates Foundation, which is doing wonderful work around the world. Um, I'm not exactly sure what Steve Jobs has done with his, but I've heard Warren Buffett say the worst decision he could ever make is to leave it to his children. You know, inheritance is such an interesting piece. Uh, In some ways, we think of it as that last great lottery win, if mom and dad will choose us. I I found more uh, struggles around this uh, winning of the inheritance or gaining of the legacy. It often shows up even in the planning of a funeral. I've heard colleagues talk about the bitterness that can come uh, when uh, a family member realizes they're the power of attorney. Uh, the the difficulty inheritance makes. In in fact, in Paul's uh, day, uh, it would have been odd and rare uh, for folk to receive an inheritance, Uh, that as he's talking to the early churches, writing his letter to the church in Rome, that this would have been a foreign experience. And I wonder if it would be the same foreign experience that we receive when you kind of dream and idealize what it's like to live in a wealthy household, that you dream and idealize what it would be like uh, to be able to be a a trust fund child or to uh, receive a great bequest. You know, we, we dream about those things and I wonder if Paul's readers dreamed about those things as well. In our scripture passage, Paul clearly paints that we become adopted We become heirs and co-heirs with Christ to the inheritance of heaven. We, We are adopted into a family where before we had no people, being a part of the church makes us part of God's people. And with that inheritance comes all the beauty and love and grace that a king could offer. But in the same moment, it requires something from us. You see that last verse, that verse 17, where it says, co-heirs with Christ. That, that, That means everything that Jesus was required to do may be required of us as well. And so in enjoying the gifts of the family, we also have the responsibility of the family. We have that opportunity to give it all away, to care for the least and the last and the lost. We have that gift to be self-sacrificing, to pour ourselves out, to be called beyond ourselves, to be a high-expectation community, even if it hurts. You see, the world of consumer doesn't come inside these walls We don't attend just uh, to improve ourselves, we don't attend uh, just to get our needs met, and we don't attend a church because it fits our individual preferences. We attend a church because we have been part of a covenant, we've laid deep roots, we've uh, served the group and put our needs to behind, and together we seek to be the family of Christ. Now, our confirmands um, have had a chance to learn all about it, probably more than you'd ever want to know about the faith. Can I get an amen from the confirmands? Yeah. Oh, okay, maybe next time. Um, now, uh, I was thinking, now what does con- confirmed mean? What does confirmation mean? It's kind of interesting. I mean, it's not like, you know, when you look at the scriptures, Jesus doesn't say, you will receive salvation, those who confess my name and uh, uh, pray and bended knee and and get confirmed in the eighth grade, right? I mean, it's not there in scripture, right? Confirmation is one of those moments where uh, what your parents, uh, what the adults of the church have promised to do, you're claiming for yourself. I kind of like the idea, and this is a little hokey, but then, you know, have you met me? Um, It's like you've purchased a flight, a ticket, and you confirm it Now the weather can still go bad. You could still get upgraded to first class. There's a whole lot that could happen, but you're kind of claiming it. You're saying, I'm gonna sit in that seat. I'm gonna do those things. I'm gonna be a part of the family. I'm participating in the journey of discipleship. Now the world might change, but my plan is to be on that flight. A Little hokey, but it's close. Well, let's talk about some of the things that the confirmands have uh, learned. What, what has been their inheritance in this process? I, I want to note that um, up here, we began every, um, every session with our vine, recognizing that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Each one of these green and yellow and red uh, markers were a part of the lesson. Um, we would ask them at the beginning of the lesson. What did you learn from last time? What stuck with you? What was that thing that you just couldn't let go and really fascinated you? Write it down on a leaf and put it on the vine. So what a great collection of their learning right there. We ended uh, every session with um, the, uh, uh, Wesley's uh, Three Simple Rules. Do you know the Three Simple Rules? Once you hear them, you're on them, right? It's um, do all the good you can, do no harm, do all the good you can, and stay in love with God. Kind of sounds a pretty good idea, right? To do no harm, to do all the good that you can, and to stay in love with God. Those are John Wesley's three simple rules for uh, the United Methodist Societies. You know, there's a whole lot of threes, that we taught the con- confirmands there. You could say their inheritance is an inheritance of threes. What's another three? Well, the Trinity. Uh, we, we talked about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We, we talked about what it meant to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We, we talked about moments when we felt the Holy Spirit present in our lives. We also talked about how it's really hard to describe the Trinity, right? You could use um, uh, water, ice, and steam but that's not necessarily orthodox theology. Now, uh, engineers tell me there's like a super point where all three exist at the same time or something like that, um, but we moved on to the next topic. Um, now, the Trinity, it's one God in three persons. So you could say it's kind of like how I am pastor to Chapelwood, I am husband to Amy, and I am father to Grace. But even then, it's not the best theology, right? Always remember that Augustine, who was smarter than all of us, and hopefully closer to God, said that it was a mystery wrapped in a puzzle, wrapped in a conundrum. (laughs) So that's the Trinity. We talked about three graces, not Grace Johnson, Grace Camerano, and another grace, but three graces that we talk about in the Wesleyan movement, that there is provenient grace, the grace that goes before, Before you ever knew that God loved you, God was working to bring you back home. The justifying grace. This is the grace the Baptists get really well. It's the um, just as I am grace. It's the washed clean as snow grace. It's the down the aisle at the revival, uh, kneeling at the altar rail, giving it all to Jesus, justification grace. But you're not done then. God's not done with you after making you white as snow. Then there's the sanctifying grace, that grace that continues in small spiritual ways to form us into the image of Jesus. Now, John Wesley said really uh, often that um, if someone ever told you that though it was possible to be sanctified this side of the grave, if anyone ever told you that they were made perfect in grace and were, um, were done, sanctified, they probably weren't. Right, I mean, you know, if you you're supposed to laugh at that one, okay? Like just the the uh, narcissism of being uh, of saying to someone, "I'm perfect," means you're not perfect, right? Okay. Um, We also talked about forgiveness, and I have a um, an object lesson. We talked about forgiveness. We talked about means of grace, and we talked about repentance. I got to show them that we're kind of like a Ziploc bag with water in it. Um, We're filled up with the Holy Spirit. Uh, We have uh, become a part of God's community. And then we decide, you know, I got some smarts. I can do this on my own. I shouldn't have used so much tape on this box. Um, and we decide we're gonna, you know, head out on our own. Maybe it's, you know, yeah, God said don't eat the apple, but you know, apples might taste good today. And so we do what we want to. Didn't think of the microwave microphone being so close. And we sin. Oh, there we go. And when we sin, some of that good stuff that's inside of us begins to drip out. And over time, we continue to sin and there gets to be more holes and the bag gets less and less and less. And we find that we are not who we thought we were. We become diminished in ourselves as we miss the mark, as we try to repair the hole. I, I, got, I got tape. Sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't. The metaphor stays true, right? Um, So maybe we go to church and we pray and it's dripping a whole lot and we take communion. You get the idea, imagine in your head. But we did this in class, remember, right? Now, when you get to the point to where you feel so diminished, the bag doesn't seem to have all that good stuff that God gifted we get that stuff back it's amazing pentecost what a great day god opens us up and pours more of god's self into us and we become more of who god intended us to be you see the work of forgiveness happens both in our repentance that we made a mistake and in our choice to engage and stay in love with god you see, the way we stay in love with God is we, we come to worship, we participate in communion, we um, fast, though in America we don't fast so often. Um, we have holy conference where we sit with other Christians and talk about God and study, and we serve others so that others might know the good gifts that God gives. These are some of the inheritance pieces that uh, your confirmands have received from your church. Uh, I understand that they, they don't really uh, work well on the stock market, and you can't necessarily use them to buy a house or a college education. But the kind of things that we've talked about, being able to be forgiven for mistakes, being able to understand the nature of the God that we serve, uh, being able to understand uh, what it means uh, to feel the wind of the Spirit and to serve your neighbor. I'd be willing to say, that those building blocks of an inheritance, that beginning treasure that will only grow, is a gift that everyone should receive. To be able to know that you're not alone in the world, that there is a faith family surrounding us, that what you believe in matters, and that together, we're not called to be perfect, we're just called to be faithful. And being faithful means that you do no harm that you do all the good you can and that you stay in love with God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.